Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the No Sports Podcast. I'm Jack Williams here with Essen Kassam, and today we're just going to be doing what we normally do, just talking about everything going on in the FSU athletics world, from football, softball, baseball, men's and women's basketball, getting towards the end of their regular seasons. Um, you know, the Combines this week as well for um, football and the NFL. You know, there's a lot going on here in the Florida State world but yeah we'll just kick this off and jump right into it um it's a big day right now it being the leap day february 29th and the combine is starting today um you know we're really gonna get into action seeing um you know a lot more results coming in around 3 p.m it's currently 2 30 um by the time this gets up the combine will be um that part of the combine will well be over but um you know we're just getting ready and getting hyped up for everything right now um Essen probably can go through a little bit more of what's going on right now at the Combine. But, yeah, Essen, um, handful of Florida State guys that are up in Indianapolis right now. Yeah, a dozen players up there. You know, um, the third most behind the defending champion, um, defending champion Michigan and the runner-up in Washington. I think Michigan had 16 players. Washington had eight, Michigan had 18. Washington had 13. So Florida State with 12. Today, Jared Verse, Braden Fisk, um, Fabian Lovett, um, defensive lineman, Tatum Bethune, and um, Kalen Dillich, linebackers, are up there doing. Um, we got measurements earlier today for a lot of them, and we're getting some. Uh, the um, they're gonna do field events today. Field events. It's not track, but um, on-field workouts is the right word. Not they're not doing. Um, you know, a triple jump and all that. Yeah, not track events. Also, there's a vertical jump and a broad jump, three cone drills. So. so Maybe it is just like doing track, I guess. Like, you know, some of these guys probably used to doing track. That's true. But um, this is, it's not a track meet, don't worry. They're not, I mean, 40-yard dash, bench press, I don't know. It, maybe it is a track meet. They're doing similar, like, track events with, you know, the jumping and the running and stuff like that. But no, they aren't, they, it's not, you know, not to a T a track meet. But no, yeah, I get what <laughs> yeah. you're saying. It's very similar kind of I can't wait to exercises. see, um, I can't wait to see um, Brain Fisk's, um, javelin throw and um you know jared versus discus <laughs> oh my god i mean i'm i mean yeah like you said though, though a lot of these guys i mean it is popular for football players to be track stars nowadays and stuff like that i know a few guys these guys have actually done track in high school been pretty successful at it so i mean um you know it's a correlated their game in football on the field it could help them there here absolutely jordan travis is probably a good discus throw right i, I would hope so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a different kind of ball. I would say he would even need to know he'd be he'd need to throw something really well if he wants to be a quarterback and stuff like that. True, true. But um, Mm. Renardo Green, Jarvin Jones, and Yaheen Bell will have their measurements and in the morning tomorrow on their workouts at three p.m. Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Keon Coleman, and Johnny Wilson will go Saturday with on-field workouts and uh, all that on measurements on sat on Saturday. Some they do bench press stuff, so it's gonna be a loaded day for the next couple of days for these um, players. Be important week for some of these players because it's gonna determine where they go. You know how far they go up and the, what they can do with their draft stock. Because I think we talked about it. 
Jared Verse and Keon Coleman seem like in most mock drafts are first round picks. Mm-hmm. Keon Coleman goes in the second round in a couple mocks we've seen. So their locks are day um, you know early in the early on. Obviously, day one of the draft is on Thursday, I believe. Day two would be second and third rounds and so on. So I think Florida State probably has three, four players, three players, I'd say, right now. They're probably good chance of going in the first two days. In. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Verse, mm-hmm. Coleman, and Fisk. Um, obviously, a good combine could get Johnny Wilson into the conversation. Uh-huh. Trey Benson could go round three. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Travis will be a fifth, sixth-round pick. Johnny Bills probably a fifth, sixth-round pick. Jarman Jones, someone that, you know, as a, he's a slot corner, but he could probably surprise people and go a little higher. Renardo Green, I think, is a little underrated. Could be interesting. The linebackers are we're good college players. I'm not sure, good, sure how good of college players they'll be, but who knows? They can mm-hmm. prove us wrong, have good combine, and, you know, work themselves higher into the draft um, kind. But it's going to be interesting to see Jared Verse. Last year was like a first-round pick. Top half, Kit decided to come back. Could be a top half pick again this year. Just everything comes down to like how his measure his measurements came out decent, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what he looks like in the field. I mean, we know what he looks like in the field, but how he tests. And then yeah. Jared versus, as we know, two of it. We love fucking Jared versus whenever we got in the media. Great talker, oh, wonderful guy. Um, you know, he's very smart, very cerebral. He knows how, he knows how to um, win an interview. So it's gonna be interesting when teams get to talk to him. He's gonna be. Someone's probably going to build a stock that way. Same with Brain Fisk. Fabian Lovett, you know, is a little more quiet, so I'm kind of interested to see how he talks, mm-hmm. how he tests. Um, it's going to be interesting. Jordan Travis, obviously, is going to do well in all this because he's Jordan Travis. Right. Um, so it's going to be fun to see the next couple of days, see how they do for the draft stock. Obviously, it's not the end-all, be-all, because we've seen people do poorly at the combine and do well in the NFL. We've seen players like, you know, John Ross, a former Washington wide receiver, broke the record for the um, 40-yard dash mm-hmm. and never did anything in the NFL because of, like, you know, injuries and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, um, I think, we could talk about Mel Kuyper. You know, draft anything outside before we go talk about Mel Kuyper's draft, about the combine, Jack? The what? Um, anything else? Want to think of anything else for the combine? Um, no, it's just, it'll be, it's going to be, I'm excited to see what these results are going to look like. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, too, this is a big week for them just to show and perform and what they are capable of. Obviously, we've seen what they've done at the college stage. And, you know, this is one of the bigger tests and just seeing where they're going to clock in and time and, and distance and all that comes in and stuff like that. And it's going to be interesting to see where everybody ranks up and stuff like that. As you mentioned, there could be some surprises in here, too, and just see some guys that have been performing. Well, I mean, Braden Fisk is someone who, you know, really um, turned a lot of heads at the Senior Bowl. Maybe he can, you know, continue doing that here at the Combine as well. You know, he's still pretty highly ranked when it comes to these um these next-gen stats that kind of rank where each guy is according to this model that the NFL has right now, and he's um, currently up there right now. So I'm, I think I'm kind of interested to see what he's going to do. Obviously, Keon Coleman, Jared Verse will be exciting as well, and just all these other guys. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Jordan Travis is going to be like back in action as well because we haven't seen him really do anything too, too physical since um, November. If he, if he does much anyways, I don't know. We haven't heard what he's going to do. I mm-hmm. don't know what – He's capable of doing right now, but you know we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he'll be involved. But um, no, yeah, it should be a it should be a fun next few days for sure. So pulling up a couple of mock drafts, I have ESPN.com from um, Mel Kiper. Um, he has Jared Verse number eleven overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Athletic also has. Um, sorry, they changed it. <laughs> I thought, um, but so 
They have 16. The Athletic has um, Jared Verse 16 to the Seahawks. Um, so I think that's they have one more. Yep, Keon Coleman, the Athletic 24 to the Dallas Cowboys. That'd be kind of interesting. And Keon Coleman to the Buccaneers, according to Southern Mock Draft. So two Florida State players in the first round. Um, yeah, no, Mel Kuyper personally, and his thing says, I don't have a top 15 grade on Jared Verse. So obviously that could change depending what happens this week. A lot of cheering outside the office. So. For something, yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, you know, so, but yeah, there's a lot going on. But it should be interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, mock drafts mean very little at this point. Right. Off, after the combine, they mean a little bit more. We'll probably have a, a roundup next week just to be like post-combine mock draft for you guys to look at. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, I mean, Jack, you were t- mentioning something earlier that was interesting. All the Florida State players are above or average or above average when it comes to the draft um, ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that pulled up right yeah, now? Yeah, um, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, Jared Verse comes in at eight, leads everyone at an 82. Jaheim Bell, there aren't really – there was like very few guys that are considered elite overall. Yeah, there's three. Jaden Daniels, Brock Bauer, and Caleb Williams, which is – like that makes sense. Um, <laughs> let me finally pull up Florida State again. But yeah, um, you know Jared versus at eighty two, Jaheim Bell at seventy eight, along with Trey Benjamin is Brayden Fist seventy five, Ken Coleman seventy five, Jared, um, excuse me, Jordan Travis seventy four, Kalen Deloach, um, you know, really pushing that. This everyone's everyone I just mentioned is in a good ranking, so that's seventy and above, um, and then seventy, and I think it's sixty to seventy is average and then 60 and below is below average which is kind of sad that there's that category and it's a little blunt in my opinion but it is what it is um but Kalen Deloach 69 Johnny Wilson 68 Renardo Green 66 Tatum Bethune 65 uh Jarian Jones 63 and Fabian Lovett uh 61 so but a lot of the all these guys are either average or good I mean that kind of says something about the program yeah no, I, I think it's interesting I think there's a probably a couple notable players that are not at the combine which is kind of interesting um, like Kim Denting one mm-hmm. does he have a profile on there, Hakeem Dent. Kind of interesting because that that that's he, does, no, he is not in the well. This is this is like the combine thing. Combine so yeah, he's, he's not on here. Kind of surprised me he's not there because I think of all the safeties, I would tag or of the defensive backs, I would have mm-hmm. him as the best. But you never know. I know less than these people, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it'd be interesting. I think well, I guess NFL Draft Buzz has him as a UDFA, which is an undrafted free agent. I guess his height works against him, his hands, um, arms, but all of that. But let's see, Renardo Green, someone they posted about, they have him as a pretty high grade, as a safety 83.4, and this is NFLDraftBuzz.com. But yeah, no, I mean, um, should be interesting to see how this next couple of days play out. Absolutely. Um, I'm obviously interested to see how Keon Coleman tests out. I think he's probably like a third or fourth best receiver in this class now that we've kind of let the probably fourth or fifth because um, I think there's no question Marvin Harrison's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome Duze from Washington's number two. He's really good. Malik Neighbors probably could push him for that number two spot. So it's a, it's a deep wide receiver class. Keon Coleman is, as you saw, Florida State, very talented, very dynamic player, but we'll see how he could run routes and win routes in the NFL compared to it's different you know obviously oh absolutely it's like watching you know a high school player come from high school you learn a new level it's yeah. really the same that you know so to me a shock for a lot of players but 
It's yeah. a whole different, like, yeah, it's a whole different game. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so, but yeah, so that's for future, or I guess ex nulls. Um, you know, I get, or once in a while, always in a while, I don't know, but those are from former players. Next week, we get, um, we get a small glimpse of current players, Jack. Are you, I mean, a tour of duty next Thursday. Yeah. We can see a small glimpse of the workouts. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because obviously we have not been out there. So if I remember correctly from last year, we get in the morning, watch them do workouts, you know, we'll be able to take some videos of different things that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a very long session we get, but we kind of get to talk to Coach Storms after, which is always interesting. He talks about the players he's seen growth for Narval, which he talks about it, because I think it's their last tour of duty before they open spring practice, so they get, they get like a little time off. Spring break is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what we get next week. What are you, um, what are you doing, Jack? What are you looking forward to next year? Um... For tour of duty, tour of duty. I said next year. Uh, yeah, I was. I was like, um, I, I'm honestly, I'm kind of just like everybody. I'm kind of just looking forward to, um, seeing all these new guys. Obviously, and the big thing is, I think for everyone, the big thing is, um, just seeing DJU, um, and seeing how he's gonna fit in with everything and stuff like that. That's what I'm kind of excited about. Um, seeing him incorporated into everything and um, how he's gonna mess with this offense as well. Um, I, I. By this time, both of them were going to be out. I wrote some stories just about players to watch during the spring, which I should pull up the defensive one right now and the offense one. So I'll talk about the defensive one a little bit. I mean, um, the big guy, um, Essen said this is one of the players that he's really excited to mention. And again, I apologize if I booker this. Uh, Sian, Sian Lolihe. Lo-li- I think Sian Lolihe. Sion Lolehe. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stat lines that he's put up, you know, in all Pac-12 second team defense, I mean, this is a guy that's going to fill up a big gap on the defensive line, and I'm really excited about to see um, and just how he's going to perform as well. Someone who's really well built, too. Um, uh, Patrick Payton is another guy at the defensive end as well. It's just I'm excited just to see his production in general. Um, Just the year he had last year, you know, took a little second for him to get going, but he's really just brought a ton of energy, a ton of passion. It's just always a fun practice practice player to watch um the defensive back in the secondary that's just going to be a fun position period to watch with uh, azaria thomas um who else did i have shaheem brown you know shaheem brown had a really big year with um those 53 tackles um uh just seeing these guys grow on the defensive end is going to be huge dj lundy you know there's all this all the controversy of him leaving and then coming back after fsu had that loss to georgia um it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to lead a a little bit more bare of a linebacker room. Uh, Josh Farmer alongside um, Daryl Jackson. Those two are good friends and just seeing their impact on the defensive line. Um, yeah, those are kind of the ones I hit on a little bit just on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are, those. I guess I could leave it open for like you should read the offensive stories well to see what I had to say there. But um, those are the guys I'm excited to see on defense. Um, it's uh, going to be... Offense, you could just probably name them, let them see. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously DJU, um, Brock Glenn at quarterback as well just because he was I, again I don't think Brock ever predicted that he was going to be in this position that he's in right now going into his second year being kind of shoved into games you know get into the Orange Bowl ACC a rivalry game after an um, injury dealing with injury all year as well yeah yeah I mean he's he, it's going to be interesting to see where he comes in and where he's coming in as a uh uh 
you know, a, a sound backup now and then see how that growth is going to pro- progress from there. Um, I have a few transfers right now. I'm trying to think the guys are currently on the roster. Ken Tron, Poyeter, just I, I was a little harder on him on my story, just talking about that this needs to be a big year for him. We've seen, we obviously obviously referenced that spring showcase over and over again, but he didn't really, he was out for injury for a bit in the season early on. But then when he came back, it just really didn't jump out as much as I think people were going to expect. Um, you know, he, he had a pretty, pretty, few good games and stuff like that he almost had his first touchdown of the season against wake forest got called back to a holding call um but you know this needs to be a big year for him as well um there are two transfers that i put on that i cannot think of right now um maybe you, can, you might be able to help me here uh the malik benson malik I mean, yeah malik, malik benson wide receiver and running back roydell williams yes right. yes those two um Roy, roydell williams uh was the uh top juco prospect two years ago or a year ago um just he came off these stats weren't crazy with alabama but just talking about what he did in juco and well, there's this a deeper is, room in alabama as well so yeah and i mean this is a player too that could be molded into something great coming up as well um there are two starting positions left open right now um with johnny wilson leaving keon coleman leaving so he's one that you know a lot of people might be predicting that he gets into that um outside position there um so it'll be it's going to be really exciting to see how he messages in the offense he, I don't think he's going to be as a, as dynamic and you know flash as Keon Coleman was when he walked in here. But this is a player that could be really exciting early on. And then um, is it Roydell Williams was the other Roydell one? Williams. Yeah, running back too. This is a position that's open as well with Trey Benson leaving. This is a guy that had around 500 yards last season in Alabama. Um, you know, not crazy stats compared to Trey Benson's 900. But this is a guy that's been building throughout his entire career. And this could be the year that he kind of really kicks the door down. Um, obviously, there's some uh, – I think he's a good he's a good um, player that could be starting as well alongside a Lawrence Tofili. Um I think that's every, no no I'm sorry I had one more it was Kyle Morlock was on there as well. Uh, the tight end room was really deep last year with him and uh, Jaheim Bell and uh, Marquiston Douglas even Preston Daniel was you know helpful at times as well. Um, you know Bell left uh, Douglas transferred more um, Daniel transferred twice actually he was at Buffalo and then went to Miami of Ohio um, so Morlock is kind of the one guy there um, still kind of the veteran guy there right now um, considering he came and made the switch from D2 to D1 last year and you know had an impressive year as well it's going to be interesting to see how he steps up too um, but yeah those are the guys I'm excited about I think I'm also just going to be excited to be watching football again a bit too um, kind of getting back into the swing of things as chaotic as it, it does get and it can get a little old from times after it's day after day of practice it's still fun to be out there and um it's an energetic environment stuff like that so it's exciting just to have things ramped up again too no we get um tour of duty on march 7th thursday march 7th monday march 18th pre-spring media luncheon when we get to sit with the coaches and talk to them tuesday march 19th is spring practice number one and then march 22nd is going to be the fsu pro day yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be wild this year so it's last year we it was a bunch of people there, but everyone was there to watch one person and Jamie Robinson. Yeah, 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 no, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit more crowded. It's gonna the, be a little bit more crowded. A little the more twelve players at the combine year. and a few other players that could sprinkle in. Um, Jack, you're gonna hate this. Why am I gonna hate it? What are you gonna say? <laughs> um, so um, last year, Tour of Duty started at six a.m. Are you kidding? Nope. Um, are you? I just found the email. I can't swear on here. What? <laughs> 6 a.m.? Yep, it was 6 a.m. last year, so... If you... If y'all don't know me, which I think you all most do, but, like, I hate... I hate waking up early, and, like, 
I have to, and I am going to force myself to go, but, um, cause I need to go. Um, but like, oh God. So how long does it go for? How long does it usually go for? Oh, let's see. I don't remember last year, the timing, but I just remember it was early. I didn't remember it was that early, but it's going to be fun. That's early, dude. <laughs> um, I had a story up by 930 if that helps at oh, all. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So next week, actually, you guys need to get us to, we're going to. I'm just going to do an all nighter. Which is probably even worse idea. <laughs> so, well, you guys will get a taste of that on the podcast next because we're gonna go straight from the tour of duty back, to, come back to the office and record from here. Well, so it's gonna be interesting to see what mood we're both in after that. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I know. Well, um, I don't know. Last year we got just looking back at the. Sto- I pulled up the stories from last year. I think we did a um, five takeaways, five things learned from tour of duty up in the media. Which was interesting, you know, last year we learned about high expectations for 2023. Surprise. Mm. Um, Winston, right, was rounding back in the form. Coming back injuries, running backs was one of my takeaways. Mm. Um, This is actually very interesting to hear. (laughs) Newcomers driving. Like, it's funny, like, looking at it one year ago, like, and still waiting on a waiver for Dimitri Manuel and Daryl Jackson. (laughs) See how that played out. Oh, my God. But yeah, so it should be interesting. Um, Florida State starts last year. They started practices. Um, they had I want to see the schedule right here. How many practices it before? They had a practice on March sixth, tenth, March sixth, eighth, and tenth. Three practices before they clo- went to spring break and had a week off. Then had practices three practices the week after um, mm-hmm. March twenty third, twenty third, twenty first, twenty third. A scrimmage close to media um, was available after Zoom on the 25th Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they're not doing that this year. They're, they're going to have um, spring practices start after spring break, which is probably better. The mm-hmm. I remember the practice after spring break, the first practice after spring break, it was not great energy. Um, no, oh yeah, no, it's... There's been there's been a few practices here and there, and you can kind of tell when it's not, it's not on. <laughs> but spring break, like I mentioned, it's... They're college kids. You don't know what they're doing in that time off, and then instantly being thrown into a grind of practice. It it, it, it takes a second to get adjusted to. <laughs> yeah, and no, the other thing I did a story on um, just talking to we got um, Norvella, which we do after you know spring practices, but then we got to talk to um, Coach Storms as well. So it'll be interesting to see. We could probably get both of them again. So it'd be good to talk to them again. See what they how the feel of the team is. You know mm-hmm. what's going on. And all that, so be interesting, you know. Um, football, it's almost back. Yeah, yeah, it's right around the corner. We're 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 starting to starting. I'm starting to feel the bags coming over my eyes once again. Starting to twitching over the stress. Hopefully, it won't be as chaotic of a year, but we will see. It's still extremely early on, but yeah, we are getting hints of what's to come. We're still dealing with last year, considering the draft and stuff like that. No, it's not over yet. I mean, um, the NFL draft is probably like about a month after that. So there's in April, some end of April. So it's football's never really over. Uh-huh. I'm slowly. I know. I know Daniel's gonna help. Well, yeah, I'm gonna help with this when it comes around. But I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve, and I think I'll just do it just to have fun. But number eleven overall to the Vikings. <laughs> I'm leaving it as a, I just I, I who knows what will happen. I might have to change the color scheme and well, stuff like that. A, but I'm just trying to place the pictures right now. I think you're I think you're the one who did it for Jamie Robinson last year when he got drafted. I did, yeah, yeah. So I still have the um I still have the template. So I'm filling these. I'm just 
diddling with these right now. You guys can't see this, but Jack's working on a Canva about, you know, just graphics, what we will end up doing for when players are drafted. And we have a, yeah, we have a, we have a crap ton of time, too. But it's, it's always good to be prepared. Yeah, no, and we know Jared versus likely going in the first round unless, you know, something crazy happens. But, which, which he has not had a question on this beat, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've dealt with a lot, so I, we don't rule anything out. Yeah. Oh, good lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, anything else about football today, Jack? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we're switching over to uh, the Diamond, talk about the baseball team. Um, gosh, they still haven't lost yet, which is just crazy to say. Um, uh, first time what last year was, yeah. Considering, yeah, considering it happened last year and everything that happened, this is the first time since uh, 2019 that they've started off the season now sitting at 7-0. and um, They went 12-0 and that year um, before a a wide loss to Florida uh, further, down, further down the way. But, um, I mean, I mean they've been playing well right now. The pitching's been looking great. The bats have been looking even better, in my opinion, right now. Obviously, there's some pre- the early season things here that need to be um, tweaked up here and there. Um, also, you, you can... You can put out there the level of competition as well. Um, and talking about uh, you know, uh, Western Carolina and um, Butler and um, who they just play that I was at that game and why can't I remember? USF. It? They just played USF, which is not they're not awful. Um, they'll be tested a little bit more this weekend playing um Illinois and um you know Western Michigan's being decent as well too. The MAC is not. It's not an awful baseball conference. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was on there as well. I can't think of it right now off the top of my head. Um, they are going to Greenville for the tournament, um, uh, and they are also going to be playing Michigan State. Um, Illinois and Michigan State are actually two sub-500 teams, and so actually it might open up for them to continue. They come back home to play FGCU, and then they have a weekend series after that against New Orleans before jumping into a really jam-packed schedule. But um, right now... Uh, uh, this first pitch invitational is the focus, and I mean, a win's win, records record. They're seven and zero. I mean, as someone's been the most impressive thing to you in this run early on. Just like you mentioned, you know, the we 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 knew hitting was me good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing this team was, but just how well they hit James Tibbs, you know, very advanced hitter as Link called him after the game the other day. Just fun to watch, you know, when he's when he's on, he's on. Cam Smith has shown an, like. The crazy thing is he's been hitting well. He hit his first home run of the season on Tuesday. What day was that? Tuesday, right? Tuesday against um, South Florida. That was his first yeah. home run of the season. So just a team that has power up and down the lineup. They have good bat control. They have speed when they need it. Mm-hmm. That opening weekend, we saw them steal a bunch of bases. And then since then, they've kind of like you know slowed down on that. But they have the speed if they need it. They have... Um, the power if they need it. They have a little bit of everything yeah. in the offensive lineup. Pitching is still going to be a question mark because they haven't really faced a ton of teams yet, great teams yet. I do think, you know, you have something special in Cam Leiter. Cam Leiter. Cam Leiter. Yeah, Cam yeah, Leiter. Yeah. And, um, and um, Jamie Arnold in the, you know, one-two roles. But beyond that, Cam Whitaker has looked... Connor Whitaker. I keep getting that name wrong. <laughs> it's the C's. I get it. <laughs> Connor Whitaker has looked good so far, and I think you know what you have in him. He's a solid pitcher. He's not going to wow a lot of people on a lot of occasions, but he's a very solid pitcher. That's going to get you a solid five, six innings, rack up strikeouts, get outs, and just be you know pretty solid overall. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked to Link today on a Zoom to um, preview this weekend, and he talked about, um, you know, Yohal Te- Tejada. Not Tejada. Te- I can't remember. I think you got it right. Not it's not Tejada. It's Te, 
Tejeda. Tejeda. Like the J is not pronounced at all. Tejeda. Okay. Tejeda, that's what it was. Um, you know, walked three guys, 12, stro- 12 balls, zero strikes in his outing against... Um, yeah. Butler. No, that was not Butler. Who did they play last weekend? Last weekend, Western Carolina. Western Carolina. Mm. 12 balls, zero strikes. He didn't get any outs. The, the starting pitcher for um, Western Carolina went out there and he's like, I'm not going to get any outs either. You know, um, so... Link said that he wants to get him out there again, but maybe not in a start. He said he ideally he wants to get him in there, like you know, ten nothing game or whatever, mm-hmm. and just get him, get his feet wet, let him pitch a little bit, get it, you know, make him feel comfortable. So we'll see. I think um, he said today, Friday, Saturday, you have your pitchers. You know, Campbell pitch, Campbell lateral pitch Friday, Jimmy Arnold Saturday. Then there's forecast of rain Sunday. There's forecast of rain Friday, Saturday. I think as well. Like now, there's high chances. But Sunday will be a we'll see what happens when we get there kind of thing. Like yeah, because um, we saw um, Connor Whitaker is not going to be able this weekend. He's going to be starting Tuesday and Wednesday because they have another weekday series against a pretty good Florida Gulf Coast team. So Connor Whitaker is going to be on the. It sounds like he's going to be in the weekdays for moving forward a little bit because Florida State schedule. If you pull, you know pull that up, they have some tough weekday games coming up. The weekend slate does not tighten up and get. Very difficult for a little bit. We it's the weekday um, schedule is a little tougher right now. Yeah, the uh, yeah yeah FGCU. I don't think is any throwaway game. Then um, you it's a two game series, so you got to be more careful. You get Florida, Stetson's usually good. Then you finally Florida. get the Clemson and Florida again, Louisville. So yeah, no the one of three matchups with Florida. So I, I don't think you really want to move Connor Whitaker away from the floor. You probably want to put you against Florida because you want that win. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. But, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Whitaker's going to be in the, uh, in the weekday rotation for now. Eventually, I think you ideally would like to get in the weekend rotation unless someone steps up and is like, no, this is, you know, I want, they're good enough to take that spot. I think the other person we probably won't see this weekend or maybe limited will be um, – Ben Barrett, he closed out the game yesterday, uh, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's available for pitch of a couple innings on Sunday, but I don't think so. But you do have Andrew Armstrong, who made his season debut on Sunday, pitched at one inning. Mm-hmm. He's They're looking to expand his role and get him going again. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, this weekend should be a contest. Link called it a um, mini-regional. A mini-regional. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't think the teams are going to be the same level, but... That's fine. He's mentioned, like, you know, we took this job. He made the schedule from scratch this year. And one of the things he wanted to do, because he couldn't find a weekend series this weekend, mm-hmm. was to go play um, in a tournament where he could have, like, a mini-regional setup and play teams back-to-back in a different situation to see how the team reaction does. Right. So it'd be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Jack, you, you covered the game Tuesday. Mm-hmm. James Tibbs, man. <laughs> I, I couldn't him Sunday. In his last two games, he has four home runs. I mean, the guy's a the guy's just been lights out. He's he's been, I mean, just his hitting abilities. I mean, he talked about after the game too, just how he's really been able to grow into. Oh my god! All right, you know, I'm just stop, I'm just stop fooling around with this. Um, <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just his hitting abilities are impressive. He talked about just how he's really grown into this role, and it's allowed him to really 
Um, I don't know if slow down the game is the correct word, but it's been – he's been expecting. It's, that's what he used. He's been able to expect things a little bit more and see what's coming a little bit more and stuff like that. Um, it's really allowed him to settle in and, you know, figure out where to hit and stuff like that. And uh, he's just been electric early on. Link just talked about how his ability to learn the game and, you know, executing has been huge. Talking about when he's been in the dugout, um, Tibbs is right next to him the whole time. When he's not hitting or he's on the field, he's right next to Link the entire time. Um, and just learning the game, you know, he's been he's just been kind of a scholar of the game right now just learning about what to do. And it's really, I mean, you want to talk about just the test of what you've been learning. He's really shown out and just, I think he's now up to five home runs early on. And he's just, he, he's been lights out for them right now. I mean, um, it's been interesting with some of these games too. I know the few games I've been to, I don't, I can't talk too much in the Western Carolina series because I wasn't there, but I know with Butler and um, the uh, South Florida, I don't know why I'm struggling so much with them, but um, you know, these games, granted, they cracked open the South Florida game a little early, but the Butler game, it took a second for the offense to get going in both games before they blew things open. But, um, you know, he's just been electric for them this year very early on, which is, you know, definitely a good thing to see. No, I think one thing that um, Link mentioned on after Sunday's game mm-hmm. was that, um, you know, last year he moved around first base, left field, right field, moved a little bit. I think he's been predominantly in right field this year, so it's been easier for him. I think having a home on defense probably helps a little bit where he's not moving around. He doesn't have to worry about, like, oh, how am I going to do this over here? How am I going to do this over here? He just has to go out there and hit and play mm-hmm. right field. He had a couple of good catches in the Western Carolina series. Um, so I think he settled in nicely. I think um, kind of tied both of these together, but um, this past weekend was an amazing weekend for um, Tallahassee natives. Yeah. Um, we'll jump into the softball side in a second, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Drew Farrow had a monster game, hit his first career home run. On Friday, went crazy on Saturday with a triple. Jackson Lush drove him in, former Childs player. Yeah, and it was just a good weekend um, for FSU baseball. FSU baseball players from Tallahassee. So if I can pull the story quickly, um, but it's, you know, um, I want to pull up their stats to tell you exactly how good of a weekend it was. Because um, Drew Furrow was a monster, to say the least. Um, yeah, he went three for four with four RBIs another, uh, um, on Sunday, and added another show of bases, fourth solo in the base of the year. He, for the weekend, he was eight of eleven with four doubles, one triple, one home run, six runs scored, and seven RBI. Mm-hmm. So monster weekend. He also just for fun added um, drew two walks and had two sacrifice flies. You know, just for fun. He's all over the field. Yeah. Yeah. No. So great weekend. Um, he's hit. Coming going into, I think he was one for four on Tuesday. Sorry, I'm just trying to <laughs> set it one. It was bothering me. Anyway, no, I'm listening. He went one for four on um, Tuesday, so I don't have his updated batting stat, um, average, but he was hitting 538. Yeah. Through oh, jeez. He will really. Yeah, so oh it's probably God. gone. He probably is like a average player at best now at 500. You know, nothing special anymore. <laughs> <laughs> average, yeah, no. Um, um, but then Jackson West with four for six for the weekend with a double. A triple, two walks, and drove in three runs, including twice he drove in on Saturday. Last Saturday, he drove in Faro twice with a double and a triple. Mm-hmm. So good weekend for locals. Um, yeah, I mean these are two guys definitely to be excited about. Faro, I know in high school, um, you know this was a guy that had um, you know was highly scouted upon as well. Um, he was he was one of the top players in the area. So was West, but Faro was um, 
you know, he was in line. Um, he was up there, and you were one of the people that had the chance to become player of the year. And, I mean, in high school, he's dynamic. UCF, he is in the history book there now as the um, freshman with the most home runs in his in his freshman season. Um, you know, West was a great catcher as well, and, you know, continuing to contribute on the other side, you know, of the play as well when it comes to hitting and stuff like that. I mean, um, you know, these are two guys, two Tallahassee natives that are really getting the job done. There's a few more coming in in this next class as well, too. So, I mean, recruiting locally. I mean, Link's a local guy. He probably emphasizes that a little bit more as well, and they're producing. Yeah, no, I think he mentioned, because I asked him to be in the year before, like, when the practices first started, I had asked him about that. I'm like, you know, he's like, it's important to report, recruit locally. That's where recruiting starts. Oh, and yeah. then you build out and get players, you know. So, I think he... Baseball, as Jack can attest to, is huge in the Tallahassee area. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Baseball and softball both um, are huge in the Tallahassee area. It's very important to the community. Um, but, yeah, no. Um, so we have that. And then on the other side, um, two lo- one local and one local-ish. You know, um, local player being Jasoni. Um, yeah, Mitchell. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she had a monster weekend where FSU went 6-0 and and outscored their opponents 50-11. to Absolutely dominant this weekend. Um, yeah, Florida High alumnus. Alumna, yeah. excuse me. Um, but she hit, she, um, hit a solo home, a solo home run in the, into the parking lot. Not not parking lot, sorry, the, the um, road on, um, Saturday? Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's been a week, guys. Um, on Saturday, and she hit a second home run later on in the game. Um, she has three career home runs now. She was hitting five twelve. They haven't played any games, so I can say that confidently. She's hitting five twelve with three home runs, fourteen RBIs, and twelve runs scored. Um, you know, Lonnie's been proud of what she, she's coming in. She doesn't look like a freshman. She's been doing really well. Oh yeah, she's she's jetted out. She's had a really good start to her career. You know, Lonnie said at some point there's gonna be some. She's gonna run into something because it's a freshman. Like you know, right. When people have video on you and they know how you hit the scouting report, they're gonna pitch you differently. So yeah, adapt, how she absolutely. makes a how she makes adjustment that's gonna be interesting. But she hit a home run that set up a walk off home run by a Sneeds girl who's local ish, I'd say. You know, Makilla, yeah. In um, Makilla Edenfield, Edenfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so fun fact, <laughs> I got there on Saturday for the because they played a doubleheader against um, Nichols. That's what yes, Nichols. Double L. They were down four three in the seventh top of the seventh bottom of the seventh inning when I got there. Mm. Two minutes after I got there, um, and I got video of it. You can see on their on their site, uh, McKellar Infield got a base hit, RBI, two RBI singles to win the game. Mm. Um, in the second game, they were up six nothing in the bottom of the fifth inning, and she had a two run shot. Eight nothing. Yeah, the walk off. You know, walk off for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. So I asked her. Like, we, I requested her and Jasoni after because I'm like, I want to talk to you two. You guys are interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked uh, Michaela. I'm like, you know, have you ever hit two walk offs in one day? She's like, I've never hit a walk off in my life before. <laughs> so like, um, you know, it's funny how softball works like that sometimes. Like, you yeah. know, this girl had never hit a walk off form- a walk off hit before in her career. It's, her- it's crazy to think that was such of a dominant player she is. Like. That, yeah. That's crazy to hear. <laughs> and then, so she had two in one day, so it's really fun. Like, you know, how just the sport finds you sometimes. Like, you know, oh, absolutely. how some stuff happens. But she was, um, I think, do I have her stats? Entering the weekend, she had two home runs and five RBIs, but she had struck at, with struggled with seven strikeouts and 22 at-bats. Mm. You know, well, she hit two, um, four home runs for the weekend or something like that. It was something crazy. Mm. Yeah, four home runs for the weekend. She's hitting four, 12, and six home runs, 14 RBIs, 11 score, runs scored. Over the weekend, she walked seven times and I think struck out twice. 
Or no, they didn't strike out at all. So she has more walks now than strikeouts. It's crazy how one um, weekend can change the trajectory of your season, right? No, or she, one weekend could change. You know, nothing happens. I mean, she. Um, I think. I think we were talking about this too as well. That she's. You could tell she's really found. She's really starting to find her bat now. And infield. Um, I think we talked about it, um, on Thursday last Thursday in the podcast. I said, you know, I don't think she's really, this offensive perm really well. I don't think she has. Um, you know. Really, I don't think she heard bats taken off yet. Uh-huh. Lo and behold, that weekend she went off. So who okay. should I pick this weekend? Who should, well, I guess <laughs> who should you for this one game this weekend for the double jinx? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you sure, know, Isa Torres is going to have a huge weekend, a oh. huge game. I love to see that. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you. That's that's been big news as well too about the we the, the the single game that they're playing this weekend. Not even at well, quote unquote home. It's still in Tallahassee city limits. City limits. Yeah. No. Uh, so um. Yeah. So they were scheduled for the Jane Sanders Classic this weekend, and they had an interesting setup with, you know, Oregon, who's just outside the top twenty-five, and Washington, I think, was number four, and then two teams in Maryland and Mount St. Mary's are. Okay, teams, but, you know, still competition. Right. They're going to play four games over three days. Or four games in two days, sorry. They're going to play Friday, Saturday. They made the call on Tuesday that we're not making this trip anymore. For a good reason. Lots of snow expected in the area. Lots of um, um, just weather everywhere in the country we've seen right now. You know, Jack posted a photo. He's from Chicago. Of just the lightning that's, you know, and the tornado warnings that were in Chicago, which is, I guess, a rarity, right? Uh, I don't know. It's been so weird with, like, you know, global warming and t- this type of stuff. Um, but, like, yeah, February, usually February in the thick of it. Um, I haven't seen tornadoes in Chicago since, like, in February since, I think, 2008. It's been a really long time. But, yeah, no, there was, there was lightning, thunder, um uh, as I'm guessing your your girlfriend who's up in Chicago, I'm guessing she experienced the brunt of the the bad weather up there as well. But yeah, no, there was tornadoes up in that area too. The weather was just not good around the country as well. Just so, yeah. all weekend. So just like a, you know, it went from seventy degrees that day to thirty degrees the next day in Chicago, <laughs> which is just nuts. You know, it's a lot to deal with. No, it's wild. But yeah, so um, there's a lot of weather going on. So there's wildfires in Texas. So it's like you know, it's unfortunate right now. There's a lot going on. So. And they just made the decision early. They agreed with Oregon that they're going to play each other next year. I think she's going to travel out there. So pull out of that tournament probably for the best. You know, um, you don't want to go over there when you have four games scheduled in two days and just end up playing one game and have to come back cross country. Right. So probably for the best if there's not a great chance of playing. So don't want to risk out. anything. Absolutely. Yeah. So they um, no games this weekend except on Sunday they play at noon. They host Jacksonville at Rattler Field. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> No one, no Joanne Graf this time. It's um they're over on the um not too far, but still um still not at home. It's very interesting that the um yeah. game's gonna be over there. But um you know free of admission, no televised, no it's not it'll not be streamed, and you um, fans are told to follow along at statbroadcast.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll be at that game just Sunday because it's just logistics and stuff like being late and then one game only. Yeah. Um, and I think it's supposed to rain Sunday, so who knows? The weather's not going to be ideal, as we just were talking about. What? <laughs> so the weather's not going to – doesn't look like it's going to be ideal. Just no. as we were talking about the weather just so, all, all this week. <laughs> so just, you know, um, Lonnie had a great quote. I think sometimes it's outdoor sports. You kind of have to go with the flow, and Mother Nature always wins. <laughs> <laughs> Mother well, Nature does always win. <laughs> she does. She is undefeated. So, yeah. Um, so FSU softball will have a short week this week. Um, they play again. They play one game this weekend. Play Florida Gulf Coast next weekend, mm-hmm. and 
Then you get into, uh, I mean, March is going to be, I mean, it's going to be, yeah, quote unquote calmer for them earlier this month. It's not March yet, but um, it's going to be tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, then it really ramps up for them. Um, you know, I think, I think it's right after that Florida Gulf Coast weekend um, when they play in that tournament. That's when South Dakota State comes for a double header. Double header Tuesday and Alabama Wednesday. They have Alabama Wednesday. Um, conference play opens, I believe. Yeah, you have, right? you have Duke that weekend, and who's you currently ranked higher than FSU. And then, um, then you have Texas. Ten, I think they're still are they still number two in the country? I think they're number three according it's, to FSU's schedule. I think. Yeah, they and then you have Texas coming into it as well. If you're an FSU softball fan, this is going to be an amazing end of the month. Like you're going to want like get to these games early if you want seats. Even if you want seats outside the stadium, get there early because like Alabama and Texas coming into town in a week span and then crunched in the middle of that like the best team currently in the ACC um before to open up ACC play and then like you know a fun double header before all of that like this is good that's going to be a great end of the month here but um right now they're just kind of pushing through all the mess that is the weather and you know getting games of their belt it's good that they were able to get um Jacksonville to come to town and stuff like that and um you know it's good that they're gonna be able to get to Florida Gulf Coast but I promise you know it's kind of slow right now but I promise it will all pay off in the end when um these at the end of the month when all these crazy teams come to town it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun at the end of the month right now it's a little stressful but at the end of the month it's gonna be well worth it yeah 113 mm-hmm. off a good start and then moving on to another good team have the huge game tonight in women's basketball louisville yeah you know huge, that's gonna be a huge, huge game. game that's gonna be huge i think florida state we we're talking earlier according to espn bracketology is the seventh seed in the austin region right now yes they would play middle tennessee and play Texas after. Texas is a highly rated team. It would be number two in that conference. And that, that was the Stanford region, I believe. Playing in Portland. Yes, yes. Stanford region. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens How with that. Florida State's got to... It's, it's a must-win game tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, if you want to continue... I, and I, I wrote a really long... I kind of got into my mad scientist head about this story. And I kind of really put some... You know, really put... I don't know what I was putting together there, but really figure out what routes could look like for them. And if they want to have any sort of viable option of um, any sort of – and then this is, this, is, this is like the big reach. Just like if you want any sort of viable option of hosting, you need to win out completely. If you want to be you know, still a, a team that's above, at eight or above, um, you need to start – you need to win this big game. FSU hasn't had a big win since um, the uh, Virginia Tech game. Um, in my opinion, this team would have been in a really good place if they just didn't have those two losses to Virginia and Duke. Um, just a bad loss to Virginia and just a really wide bad loss to Duke on the road. Um, outside of that, if you take those two losses out, the resume isn't that bad. You know, you know, Essen has talked about that really exciting game they played at, against Notre Dame on the Painted Pink Night that went to double overtime. And FSU you know, had their moments, just couldn't close out there. You can argue against NC State. Um, that was when Tanaya Watson was on that ridiculous role of just averaging, not averaging, yeah, scoring 30 a game. Um, and they had their moments there to close that out. Uh, NC State was number three in the country at that time. They had their moment there. Um, just couldn't finish out there as well. Um, Syracuse got a little bit away from them as well. At the same time, that was when Syracuse, I don't think a lot of people were looking at them at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's number uh, two in the conference, though. Yeah, I mean, they, they've blown up. I think it's. Uh, Diaja Frazier, um, one of their fairs, maybe fairs. Yeah, she is currently. I think she's in the top five right now for all time NCAA women's um 
points leaders right now. Um, so, I mean, that's a team that kind of, you know, they, I, would, I won't want to say they came out of the blue, but they are they ramping up very up for a good time as well. Their coach, I can't remember what her name is right now, but she used to give me nightmares when she was coaching at um, Buffalo. And um, she was coaching at Buffalo, the women's team. And Ball State always had a really good women's team. Um, and we would always play Buffalo, and the Buffalo would always be the crap out of Ball State. And their coach is now the head coach at Syracuse. Nate Oates, at the same time, was the head coach over at Buffalo as well and would terrorize our men's team. That's when Buffalo was untouchable at the time. Um, and eventually Buffalo ramped up and became really good, pulled off the upset over Arizona in the first round NCAA tournament. And then you know both coaches went different ways. Anyway, we're talking about, we're talking about Buffalo right now. But um, but uh, about Buffalo. Practice Buffalo, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, this Louisville game is a must win game if this team wants to continue building its resume. And then on the close against Clemson, which in my opinion should be a game that you just just go wild and then and then go wild in the first half. And then when you build up astoundly, maybe try to get your bench in a little more, rest your stars as much as you can. Essen could probably talk a little bit more about this as well. This is the time of the year, too. Knock on wood that Tania Latson ended up getting injured and Omira Gordon later, um, you know, right before the NCAA tournament ended up getting injured as well. That hampered FSU a bit. It led to a, a big upset loss in the ACC tournament when Latson was out. I mean, how important is it now for them? I mean, in your opinion, what goes into their theory of making sure that their starters are going to be okay for, you know, coming postseason rounds? I mean, first and foremost, you've got to win both games. Um, if, you beat, if you beat Louisville tonight, that puts you ahead of Louisville um, in a tie with, let's, I don't know, NC State plays Syracuse tonight. And they've lost back-to-back games. Um, NC State has, the Wolfpack has. And um, Virginia Tech plays in um, Notre Dame in South Bend. So even if you lose today, yes, and David, you're still alive for the you know top four and double bye, which we you know we'll talk about for the men's as well mm-hmm. in a second. But um, right now, Virginia Tech is fourteen and two. They're going to win the ACC regular season. Syracuse is thirteen and four. They probably have the number two spot locked down unless they just choke the last two games. <laughs> um, NC State, Notre Dame, Louisville, and Florida State are three way t- four way tie with UNC and Duke. Sitting right there at ten and six, right behind them for um, one game out for fourth place, mm-hmm. third place. Sorry, really. Um, you know, so you're playing for. It's important the stand for all that. But if you win today, you have the advantage over Louisville, the tiebreaker over them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you already lost the tiebreaker in Notre Dame because you lost them in overtime, but you have right. the tiebreaker over NC State because you beat them. Mm-hmm. But all that's moot. If you win tonight and you went, you went out. You're thirteen and five. Louisville cannot get to thirteen wins. Notre Dame. Um, it plays, you know, they say they play um, Virginia Tech and Louisville to close out, so they could they could easily go one and one, which all you need to win finish fourth. And then NC State matters less, but either way, you could get up as high as three and get that double bye, which would be huge, because then you get two. Like you would talk about, um, you know, days off. It's a difference between playing. If you get a double bye, you start the tournament Thursday instead of Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal because you mentioned, you know, that's a regular schedule and that kind of like, you know, for playing. Right, absolutely. It's something they've been adjusted to. And then obviously you have to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right, yeah. But, 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 you know. In the moment, yeah. In the moment. Mm. But at least you get your regular us going to that Thursday game and then you could ramp up stuff either way. Mm. And getting a win over Louisville could be a way of like, you know, they're, I think we mentioned they're six, seven seed right now. Yeah. Get you up to a six seed. And then when you do something in the ACC tournament, you might not have to win it then, you know. Mm. If, even if you make the finals and lose a close game to Virginia Tech, let's say, throw out there, you know, yeah. then you could be in the situation and be like, okay, look, look at our resume and maybe you could host. I think it's a long shot still. Probably have to win it all. 
and have a, to have a good chance. Mm-hmm. But at least you get yourself in the conversation. So it starts tonight with Louisville. You got to win that game. It's a must-win game. I'm interested to see how to see one thing quickly pulling up Florida State's schedule this year. Um, let's see. So last road game they won seventy-one sixty-three over Wake Forest. At Pitt they won seventy-six sixty. At Georgia Tech they won seventy-eight seventy-eight sixty-seven. So yes, on the road they won. It looks like one, two, three in a row. Math. One, yeah, and Miami's on the road as well. So four in a row on the road. Mm-hmm. But the um, you know before that they had a eighty-eight forty-six awful loss to Duke on the road. Yeah, that was just a awful performance, um, hard to watch. And then they had a seventy-nine seventy-three loss to um, Syracuse on the road. Going back a little further, they beat Clemson on the road seventy-eight seventy-two, but they had a double overtime a, a overtime loss to NC State. So so sorry, you don't have do not have the tiebreaker for NC State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, they've gone like four and three in their last seven road games or whatever it is. So a road game has not been a gimme. They beat Miami by six. They beat Wake. I mean, yeah, Wake by eight. Pittsburgh was a convincing 16-point win. Um, Georgia Tech was an 11-point win, but Georgia Tech and um, Pitt are not good teams as well. They are not. Know? So neither is Miami's okay team. So, yeah, mm. no, this is a must-win game. you got to have one of your better performances on the road. No letdown. Um, Louisville's a pretty solid team. They're you know, so yeah. It's not gonna be an easy one by any stretch of imagination, but that's a game you have to win to help yourself out. Absolutely, get better positioning for the ACC tournament because the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament's important, obviously, but it does not matter until you win the ACC. It, right, you do well in the ACC. Louisville's coming off a seventy-three sixty-eight loss to um, Virginia at home. Really? Yeah. Virginia's so, that team's been so weird this year. Virginia sits currently talk about fourteen it. and thirteen, six and ten on, uh, in the ACC. So not great. They lost to Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago. They lost two, three of their last five games. If you're gonna go a little further, four of six. So it's a team that's kind of reeling right now. This is a team that you gotta take advantage of and beat. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just lost a home game to Virginia, so that tells you that Florida State should be able to go in there and win if they want. It's an 8 p.m. game. I didn't realize it was that late. <laughs> yeah, it's a late slot for the women's games. Jesus. <laughs> it's like, almost like having a 9 o'clock game. Oh, Not that it. anyone has experience doing that. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so yeah, that's what's out there for the women. Big game. Um, we'll see what happens, obviously, tonight. This podcast will be out before the game, obviously. It's yeah. It's 8 o'clock, so. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, anything else on women's? I think we're ready. No, I think we covered it well, all. Well, uh, one more thing, I guess. Um, Jack will have a feature on Michaela Tipson. I will. Um, yes, yes. I just don't to read that. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, she's just a, a you know, player that does a lot of, you know, I don't want to say the dirty work, but, like, you know, it is kind of the dirty work, the rebounding. And she does score a lot, too. I think she's not as, you know, she's not as flashy as, you know, Tanaya Latson or Amaya Gordon or Sarah Bajetti, but she's the one who has basically owned the paint this year. You know, Florida State is a, you know, they're not the tallest team in the ACC. And, you, you know, yeah, they're just in the ACC, so they really have to, you know, fight for the rebounds. And Timpson's been doing a lot of the heavy rebounding work and the scoring work as well. Um, she's one of the double-double leaders in the country, one of the block leaders in the country, too. Um 
she um you know it's just a player that you know you know kind of move she does she does a lot but she kind of moves within you know kind of the trees and stuff like that you know she's very quiet in the way she does it and that's kind of you know the kind of person she is too she's you know very quiet or reserved but she um you know she does a lot you know to really help this team going and stuff like that and she's talked about a big part of this is through her confidence too and um you know this year it was really about identifying knowing that she can do it she is capable of it and giving letting herself know that in you know, having these double doubles night after night after night that she is, you know, more than capable of accomplishing it as well. Um, there are a few more details as well, too. And just gave us a fun interview to do. Um, she really likes fishing as well. Um, so we talked a little bit about her fishing experience as well and some memorable catches she had too. But um, yeah, it should be a fun story. Um, yeah, look out for that coming up soon. But um, uh, uh, Essen hinted at it a little bit. Um, you know, men's team coming off another uh, late night win. Essen was probably at... Uh, uh, Tucker till um the next day. No, um, not there no. You no, know what? They're till midnight or. Well, I guess the game ended at eleven thirty, and we were talking for a bit. So yeah, probably left at twelve thirty. Okay, yeah. So um, it was another nine p.m. game. Fortunately, this one was not as traumatic. Um, you know, as it was with Georgia the last time, it was a Tucker Center nine p.m. tip off. Um, traumatic. Uh, NC State. That um, they played NC State. Uh, FSU came away with the win. Um. Essen, I guess I, I, I watched the game on TV, um, and then I went to bed after. Um, I guess what was – how would you rate the performance? You know FSU has been very weird lately um, because of the men's team and consistency. I guess how would you rate this performance and just uh, – are they starting to find some sort of semblance of a flow? or I mean what did this performance look like to you in talking about you know getting consistency back together and just getting ready for critical postseason play and critical end of the schedule play too for regular season? No, it was a good win. You know, um, they needed it. Mm. But, you know, it was a much-needed win for them. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm also filling out combine stuff. Um, we have our trackers live and going. And I oh, just, stuff in now? Yeah, I just filled a couple of stuff in for um, Brayden Fisk, got a few things in. Okay. I haven't seen anything else or anyone else, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I'm um, sorry. Just reading update. Um, Fabian Lovett... Um, just for you guys know, will not be testing today. He'll probably, um, or later today, th- Thursday, not, yeah. But anyways, I'm um, going back. Um, yeah, no, it was just a good performance. It was a good team win. They played well. They dominated most of the game. Um, the um, NC State coach, I think, was like, yeah, that's on our defense, how we usually play. And the heat <laughs> reporter was quickly like, that's how they play all the time. Their defense <laughs> is not good. Um, but... Another great performance from Jimmy Watkins. He had, um, you know, I think 19 points maybe. I don't remember. He does a lot. Dude does a lot. Dude does everything. Um, but it was a nice balanced scoring attack, which is, I think, something that me and Jack have talked about they have not had all year. It was a nice balanced scoring attack where it was not just one person that was dependent on. They had a good attack. Um, I'm going to pull up the stat broadcast stats right now quickly. But um, I believe... Yeah, so Jameer Watkins had 19 points and an 8-11 shooting. Just a very solid game. Um, Cam Corhan had 11. Primo Spears had 14 off the bench. Um, Chandler Jackson had 9. Darren Green Jr., Bob Miller, and Jalen Worley all had 8. And Deontay Green had 7 more. Jalen Ganey had a dunk, which was our lead photo for the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Josh Nickelberry had 2 points, and um, Taylor Bull Bowen had 2 points. So everyone that played had... Scored 90 points. Well, I think I had in the story. FSU is 6 and 1 this year when they go score 90 points or more. It was the first time they scored 90 points since they lost, ironically, to Louisville on the road when they gave up, lost 101 92. 
That was the second time. It was the first time they had 90 points in a win since December 19th. So really? it's been a while since they scored 90 points. But one thing that my takeaway is, like, they didn't put as a takeaway, but they only shot 14 three-pointers, which is great. They're not a good three-point shooting team. We've seen that all year. Mm-mm. Not a good three-point shooting team. They hit five of them, 35%, 36%. Not bad. Mm-hmm. But they were not forcing up threes all game, which is very nice to see. Yeah, yeah. It is nice to see it. They're also not a great team in defending the three either. Um, no. Um, and with um, NC State shot 10 to 21 from three. 48%, but NC State was like, you know, Florida State, we're not going to defend you, so go ahead and do whatever you want to do. So. <laughs> that's, not our de- that's not their defense, Essen. No. I, mean, <laughs> I think the last couple of times Florida State's done pretty well, uh, it's when they've been taking less threes and just getting inside yeah. and shooting well. Um, they shot 67% on two-pointers. They shot 61%? 67%. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so it's a really good game, you know. Overall, they played well. They made plays when they needed to. I think um, they had 12 points off turnovers, second chance points. They had 12 bench points. They tied 36 all both sides. Points they paid, they had 46 to 36. They won fast break points. They had 18 points. Um, they won that 18 to 19. They had five blocks, seven steals, and assisted on 16 of the 37 buckets. So overall, really solid performance. It was one of their better performances of the season. Mm-hmm. Big win they needed. Um, you know, talk about the... ACC, it's been not a good conference this year in basketball, you know, I think. It is not. That is very true. <laughs> UNC is 14-3. It's a team that could win. They could either win it all or go down in day one. Right. Duke is, a, you know, pretty good. Virginia is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then you have, those are top three. Four, UNC at 14-3, and three, Duke at 13-4, and four, Virginia at 12-6. and six. Then you have that little cluster, um, I don't want to say the word, but cluster. Cluster mess. Cluster mess, <laughs> yes. Um, of, like, you know. Clemson and um, Wake Forest are tied for number four at ten seven right now. Right. Syracuse is a half game at, back at ten and eight. Um, Pitt, NC State, and Florida State are tied for seventh at nine and eight, one game back. So Florida State is alive for the um, and to me a long shot because they probably lost most of these tiebreakers. Yeah, <laughs> but um, they are alive for the number four seed. They have three games left, all winnable games too. Right. At Georgia Tech, they should win that game Saturday at noon. Oh yeah. At Pittsburgh's their hardest game. That's and that's one of the direct com- competitors for that four seed. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's nine and eight this year in conference play. They could win that game. It's a nine p.m. game on Tuesday. Mm. <laughs> Luckily, not the worst day for a press that's conference. The face you made when that's just the nine p.m. Is that your is that your trigger word now? Yes. That'll be after I cover a baseball game. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I think it's a 6 o'clock game that day, so, but still. Yeah. I don't have to worry about covering the game, I guess, itself. I that's true. Watch it. it's, it's, it's a mess in itself. And then they close out next Saturday against Miami at home. Um, so, it's, I'm not going to play the scenarios. We're too far away. <laughs> but, like, you know what happens? We could probably do that next week on our podcast when we have one game left. Right. But... Um, Florida State still has a top four, top four seed. There's still which, room for chaos. Yeah. There's still room for chaos, which they need top four because they need to double by the name to get to the tournament and probably win it to get in because I don't see any other way of getting an NCAA tournament. Right. At 15 and 13 and 9 and 8, um, just... And it, it, it you, it's weird to say, but like they're, I, could, I would say, and this is, again, very strange to say, but they're considering how just... Fuck, how strange... Um, the ACC has been this year. It wouldn't be it would be crazy, but it wouldn't be that crazy if FSU managed to pull off some sort of run and win the whole thing. However, I don't think that's likely. At the same time, the ACC has just been very 
ridiculous this year. In my opinion, it's gonna be it's gonna be Duke or North Carolina. Um, I don't, you know, Wake Forest could come out of the the ash. Wake Forest could come up and um, you know, really make things really interesting. And then um, I'm trying to think of who else is good right now. Pitt's been playing pretty well recently. Uh, I know Clemson has been decent. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like Essence said, I think the only situation they could get in is probably winning out. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, that double buy is important. Yeah, no, going back to let's pull up the net rankings. They went two and seven in um, the quad one right now, which is great. You know, um, wins over Wake Forest and Colorado. You're not gonna you're gonna lose more games in quad one than you're gonna win. Oh yeah, know, generally oh, yeah. it's hard to win. Um, so, like for example, UNC is. Seven and four in quad win games, so they're not perfect either. Obviously, far cry, but Florida State's awesome. <laughs> right. see, so. Yeah, that is true. But um, they're yeah. meant to be hard, like you said. Yeah, they're meant to be hard, mm-hmm. and they're going to be challenging. Most teams are going to have losing records in quad one, unless you're UNC, mm-hmm. who's been a blue blood forever. Yeah. Six and three in quad two games, you could live with that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you get to quad three, is there three and three? A loss at home to Georgia, a loss at home to Lipscomb, a loss on the road. To Louisville, who I mentioned, not just a loss. You gave up 101 points in that game. Big South team, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ohio Valley team, <laughs> but yeah. And then you know um, they have two quad three games that have, must win games uh-huh. against um, Georgia Tech on the road, and that tells you how bad Georgia Tech is. They're a quad three game on the road, and mm-hmm. Miami's a quad three game at home. Pittsburgh's a quad one game, so yeah, you need that one. Even if they went out, they would finish. They would be 16. Uh, they'd be 18 and 13 mm-hmm. with a mediocre conference record. And they need to go win a tournament to get in. You know, if you win out, I guess NIT is alive again at six at eighteen wins. Right. It's it's so hard because it's I don't know. This has just been a this has just been a team that you know hasn't won games. They're supposed Jekyll to be out and Hyde. Of. Jekyll and Hyde. That's a great way to that's a great way to phrase it. I mean, they I mean they were truly. I mean, I mean earlier this year they everyone thought things were really changing when they beat Colorado, and that kind of turned out to be. I mean, is Colorado still decent right now or? Um, either way, for Florida State, it looked like it was a little bit of a fluke. Um, it just it just turned out to be fool's gold a little bit as well. And then um, it, it the I think the biggest surprise for their schedule is that the USF loss doesn't look as bad anymore. Um, considering how how good USF has been playing lately, that could um, have been a really bad loss. Yeah. And it could have been yeah, it could have been awful for them. Yeah, but um, Colorado was um, number nine at the time. They are probably a tournament team. Their net ranking is 30, 29. They're 19 and 9 this year. Um, for them, that Florida State win goes as a quad two win or quad two loss. So Kind of hurts them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Colorado's 1 and 5 in quad one, 7 and 4 in quad two, then a perfect 11 0 in quad three and four, which is, wow, again, the tournament resume is. That's you, what you need to do. You have to win your quad three and four games and then, you know, just de- decent. Like, I'm going to bring it up again. I know it's not popular to bring up. The, this team uh, over here, but and you go back to Florida's like you know where they've handled the transfer portal pretty well and done pretty well over there. I think they are. Let's pull up three and seven in quad one games, three and one in quad two games, and their quad two is a borderline quad one with the lost Ole Miss. Ole Miss was seventy five, be a quad one win. So, but they're fourteen zero in quad three and four. Really, it's looking at you know fourteen zero, seventeen and one in quad two, three and four games. So. They've taken care of business and then won a few big games in quad one. Mm-hmm. That's how it needs to be handled. And at Florida State, they were a little better earlier in the year in anything. Uh, yeah, and it's just there's there's wins too. There's games too that, yeah, they really should have been in it. Like, 
Like, they had a chance the entire time against North Carolina. And then you get to the final two minutes of the game and you can't, you can't, make, you can't even make a layup. Like, it, there, there's been situations in this season so far where um, they've had chances to win out and they just continuously, for, like, fail to do it. Like, um, you know, it's, it's granted it's a better year than it was last year. Um, however, anything probably would have been better than last year. Uh, baseball's the same threshold right now as well. You know? Yeah. Baseball's a little up in the air right now. It's, it's, yeah. Like you said, anything's better than last year. Um, I'm still trying to determine what better means right now, but, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting either way about, you know, what goes on with this team and heading into the final, um, stretch of things coming up. But, it's um, like it's the kind of like you get hit by lightning on a Thursday and be like, hopefully Friday's better. <laughs> you step on you step on poop, but you know at you least get, you're not getting struck by lightning. Yeah, so it's kind of like you know <laughs> that's an unbelievable analogy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why people come to this podcast with these unbelievable analogies. Oh my you know? God. But yeah, I mean, um, we'll wrap it up here with a few more sports going on. Um, you know, beach bo- volleyball is getting started here. You yeah, know, um, we'll, we're all sports. Uh, beach volleyball. I think coaches the beach bash this bash this weekend was it? Mm-hmm. Um, they play number sixteen Georgia State, number sixteen Georgia. That's literally their number next to it. Okay, but number 17, Stetson, and number 19, Tampa. You see what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, I got you. FSU's ranked number four. Um, so it could be interesting to see what they do. They play at 9 a.m., 11, 30 a.m., and 2 p.m. Saturday, and 10, 45 Sunday. Enjoy, guys. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, they, just going through, uh, you know, um, some of the emails we get from SIDs. Yes, always always thankful for the SIDs who uh, get, S- get us involved. FSU plays a conference road game this week. Or later this week in tennis for men's tennis, and um, you know just a lot going on. There's busy part of the year swimming. There's you know a little bit of everything. So FSU is busy. Obviously, we cover the main sports that just how it works. The industry of you know we cover sports that people are reading about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone and well, put this out there. If someone brings us a good story and like you know anything, we we would love to go cover it. Yeah, we're always open to ideas. Absolutely. Give a shout out to Ellie Scope. Scope. She was named ACC Player of the Week for Women's Tennis. So, hey. so yeah, there, there, there we go. Jack, where can they find us on socials? Yeah, of course. Um, you can find all of our stuff at um, No Sports. Basically everywhere. No Sports.com. No Sports on Facebook. No Sports on Twitter slash X. Uh, it's TLH No Sports on Instagram. Um, it's No Sports TD or TD No Sports, I believe, on YouTube. Just type in No Sports. It'll pop up. That is where we're posting post-game interviews and just about any sort of video elements that we can get going on there as well. Um, our personal handles, mine is Jack G. Williams on Twitter. SN is SN underscore Cassum. Um, yeah, all of our stuff is also um, where our newspaper is the Tallahassee Democrat. So you can subscribe to the Tallahassee Democrat and not miss out on any of our coverage as well definitely worth the subscription um if i do say so myself but um yeah i think that's all we got oh yeah um yeah like this podcast subscribe to the podcast as well every anywhere that you can get listen to as well we always appreciate the support but yeah i think that's all that we got for today again i'm jack williams s and Cassum, and thank you for joining us for another episode Next week, tune in to see if we do have a 6 a.m. tour of duty. Yes. <laughs> and to see how Jack is, a not notoriously not a morning person. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how chipper I am next week. Anyway, thank, thank you, guys. guys. <laughs> Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.